0: You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better
1: shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends.
2: Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I am here with all the friends on the show. Uh, Up in Baltimore,
3: Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. It is home opener baseball day. Our hats are playing each other. What's up, everyone?
2: What's up? What's up? Uh, Down in South Carolina, we got Delmar Pete. Good afternoon, boys. And together in the morning after Ministry Studios, we have Andrew Larson.
1: Hey, hey, hey. go Rays! And Timothy Miller. Three and oh sweep. It was
3: just a fun weekend. Dude. It
1: must be terrible to be an Orioles fan.
3: Listen, my dad <laughs> has been my dad has been texting me like the scores from every game, and I was like, "Like, this is what we're doing now. You're just texting me when they win." <laughs> it's ridiculous but hey it's true in case anyone's wondering since it's not a video podcast except when frank decides to make clips of it uh frank is wearing a Rays hat and i'm wearing an orioles hat and so we're playing and each Tim, other today but up here no,
1: uh, we played each other oh, no. the past three days we're not playing no. it's not a home no. and home
3: oh no, no. it's a brewer's no. that you know what that's why i associate it with frank oh that's why makes sense hey covid brain <laughs> i apologize
1: Tim, you're the, is a little foggy these days.
3: Yeah. It's my excuse for the next six weeks.
1: COVID. Technically fog. I'm technically I'm,
3: re- I'm recovered, but I'm just going to use that one. Oh, COVID brain, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I, I
4: am, Frank. I'm I'm wearing my, my Jag hat in preparation for the draft in a few weeks.
3: I can't see what your hat is. All I can see is what I'm pretty sure is an NFL shield, so it has to be a Jags hat.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> nope. <laughs> surprise. It's a Chiefs hat. Like, what if, what, if, what if it was like a random but, team that we would never expect? Do you remember when,
1: when Rob Lowe wear? just wore the NFL Shield hat at the Super Bowl a couple years ago? That was that <laughs> was funny.
0: That's what I would wear.
2: No. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to say it the is. only reason why you could wear the only reason why someone would wear just the NFL Shield is because they're paid by the NFL to wear that hat. Like, no one chooses. I mean, people choose to wear the NBA logo. Um, hmm. Just the NBA logo, but no one would wear just the NFL shield. That's weird. I got to say,
3: the NBA and the MLB have the two better logos out of the major four for the league. Sure. Yeah.
1: Oh, sure. yeah, for sure.
2: Sure. And Dell would just wear, like, I don't know, like a Ligonier yeah, shirt. Sure, I got one. That, Ninja that's just so, <laughs> that's yeah, just this is what I wore today. I had my Harley hat. Your camera is on like 2001 modes. I can't tell what it is. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's super blurry. <laughs> Flip phone uh, mode. there's
1: a certain uh, there's a certain in sync song that this looks like the video for i'm not going to reference the song (laughs) but we all know what it was it was off the first album
0: (laughs) well yeah that was was a harley Harley? hat in in honor of riding season is coming back in in south carolina so it is nice i'll be i'll I'll be honest i'm sitting here watching all your hats earlier and when i see frank's hat it just says tb on it and my only reference is i had to get a tb shot to go Mm. to college Yep. So I'm like, why is Freight wearing a tuberculosis it's hat? Tuberculosis is. Yeah, that's the tuberculosis. we repping our favorite v- viral diseases. <laughs>
2: <Thank you. laughs> So, so so next, so, so if Jeff wore like a Cubs hat, you're like, oh, you like COVID, don't you? There you <laughs> like, go. Okay. That's, I mean, that's my or reference. Or a Guardian's
3: hat. A Guardian's yeah. hat would Or a, Marlin,
2: a Marlin's hat is, is a malaria. I mean, we, we, we can find, we can probably we're, find a disease this is, for every. This, this is sounds like real. a youth group what game that's getting right right I'm I'm just getting made. I've got
1: dibs on hepatitis. I just don't know that anyone, has, Houston, Houston, maybe? Houston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, right. that's yeah. fitting. team is That team is like a disease. They are a disease. It seems
3: like a disease, so, I mean. And
1: as oh you know, hepatitis is typically spread feces to fingers to food, so that would explain <laughs> <What>? the aspects. <laughs>
2: what are we talking about? Wow. My, my
1: mom's a nurse. Uh, Growing up, I was always taught, that's how you get hepatitis, feces, feces? to fingers to food. Why does she have to tell? Wow. Never mind. <laughs> wow. It's just, All just right. my childhood.
0: right, right. right. So. Um, I promise that's so- the last
1: time we will say the word feces on this podcast. There it is. You-
2: So I realized something happened this past weekend. Um, uh, Wait, no, actually, I am wrong because Jeff, you were
3: out because you were sick, right? Glad I am not the only one that was wrong today. Yes, I was (laughs) sick. (laughs) Okay, I had uh, i i tested positive for COVID on Wednesday last week, so Sunday was day four of uh, or day five of four or five of isolation. So today I am out and about, but yesterday was the last day when I was not out and about. So thankfully, I had minimal symptoms. I think I had the Omicron whatever variant and I was like I tested positive Wednesday morning by Wednesday afternoon I was vomiting and like nauseous Ooh. and all the stuff by Wednesday night it was just kind of like I was really fatigued and had a head cold and then all day Thursday same and then Friday I started to come out of it but the man the, I will say the shocker is the fatigue. Now I'm praising God I didn't I didn't have an experience like Tim but uh whenever I'm sick like this I I'm always like, man, I come out on the other side like so grateful to like be healthy. You know, like when you're pastoring people who are older and they're in the hospital all the time and they have chronic stuff going on and you get a little bit sick, you're like, man, health is really valuable. and I'm really thankful for it. So but yeah, I mean, minimal symptoms. My wife got it, too. Um, It started with my daughter two weeks ago. Mm. So I think we're I think we're on the other side. One year old doesn't seem to have been affected. So praise God Mm. for that.
4: Yeah. Hey, the COVID fatigue is very, very real, and it lingers, and it will hit you when you least expect it. It's been yeah, six like months for me, and
1: I'm still exhausted.
3: That's just Andrew. <laughs> typically, I just but. went to uh, I just went to Costco, and now like I'm doing this, and I'm probably gonna just take the rest of the afternoon yeah. and chill. Well, like, you'll sleep yeah. for six hours after this. Yeah, yeah.
2: When, when Andrew said it's been six months, he didn't get COVID six months. He worked that once, and he's just been still exhausted <laughs> since oh. the time he went to the gym. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so anyway, what were you saying, Frank? It. I was
3: out. <laughs> I was, was going to your... say,
2: well, well, Andrew, you, either you or Tim, were you one of you guys were out this Sunday too or no? Were both of you guys yeah. preached?
1: Okay. We were I was going to
2: say all five of us preached this past Sunday, but Jeff, you Whoa. Were out. Oh, so And that's not common where all five of us um, preach. I know three of us preach every Sunday because they're big boys apparently. Mm-hmm. But the other two. Uh, None of us are... said
1: that, dude.
0: I'm sensitive i'm just i'm just it's but, almost
1: like campus pastors have an inferiority complex or something I'm i wonder general, where that comes yeah. from
0: hey we are real I'm pastors okay we were even it up. no one, one said you weren't
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh i preached uh del impromptu preached which Babe. i'm still i'm still blown away by that so like your servers went down last minute and then you just dude came out wow. with, like but you guys have like
0: 20 sermons in the bag i uh, no, you, this it, this one i did not No, like, okay, so we're like in a passage, right? And like, I can't just, the way we're going in the series, I couldn't just preach something else, but my senior pastor preaches so much different than me. If I would have got up there and said those things, they'd have been like, what are you doing? So I'm, you know, campus pastors, one of the strenuous part of my jobs on a Sunday morning is I go purchase biscuits for my volunteers as a way to love them. So I'm in the Bojangles line. And I get a text message. All the servers are down. You got to preach. It's 9.09. Our service begins at 9.45. So, yeah. I'd be sweating. Y'all, I don't know what's going on. This is like the second or third time this has happened in the last couple months. It's like, okay, we – wow, okay? So, I had to go to the office, and basically I took two things that I worked on in 2014, and they were kind of in my head, and I was able to – you know. get it together man i was that's a lie like that was one of those moments when you step in that pulpit you're like lord if i don't implode today it is 100 your fault (laughs) which is every day but uh yeah man we had a it was a thing yesterday but you know somebody came to me afterwards and they're like well maybe you don't need to sit in front of your computer six hours a week preparing a sermon i'm like oh my gosh so well you know we pastors only work two days a week anyways right so yeah Two, I uh, just sunday
3: i oh.
2: um what was it what day was it it was it was a couple of years ago one of our other campuses um oh maybe it was good friday like last year um the person that was supposed to preach got covid right before they were supposed to preach and so the campus pastor literally just opened the bible and just started like going verse by verse and just like to start teaching it. Nice. And like and basically he just like did more of like a like a I guess it was more of like a lecture like and then like just you know how he felt led started like you know preaching more to it. I don't know. I that blows me away. That 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 like that gives me anxiety. You know. Uh we have a I'm surprised you guys don't do this. We have a backup plan. So this is why on Thursday Whenever, whoever, whoever preaches at our church on Thursday, uh, whoever preaches on Sunday, on Thursday, we have the pre-record, And so that is recorded no matter what. Then the pastor gets critiqued and then we can obviously like tell them, hey, you should change this for Sunday. But if anything were to happen on Sunday, whether servers crash or someone gets sick, we have that pre-record to play and you don't need the internet. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of saved on our resi or, you know, on our computer. You know what I'm saying? Um... And we've only had to use that once or twice. Um, but I think the only time we have to use that is because a senior pastor, you know, got sick, not because of the service going down, but, but uh, yeah, you guys should change the way you guys do that. Cause I, that puts you in a rough place. I mean, if Dude. I were in this situation, I would be constantly stressed out because you guys are not in a permanent facility, right? You guys are, you guys are renting the space.
0: Not so the yet. O- not until like October.
2: So the odds of the internet being unfaithful to you are oh. high. This wasn't even
0: an internet people. thing. So like the ser- we use a service called Rezzy. All yeah, of too. all of Resi's servers went down.
2: Oh, so it must be a regional thing. Like your Yeah, re- yeah Resi
0: told me that the whole region went out. I'm like, oh, that's nice. not good for business, because how many churches do you th- I mean, <laughs> there were a lot you of see, other guys. When
2: Resi-, when Resi goes out, it's only for like a, like twenty minutes. So. It's is still Rezi not back on today, Frank. Thing? Um Um I think it, I think this is. Yeah, what? it is. Resi only is only for churches. I think so, yeah. It's it's just a way for churches to live stream
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, or to stream. Yeah, we use the Vimeo live thing, so. Yeah. I've never had it go out.
1: We use this thing uh, called Facebook Live. It's brand new technology. It's pretty tricky. Pretty Not cool. a lot of people can navigate it, but it works I for mean, us. It-
2: Think about think about this conversation we're having right now. Like 15 years ago, we would never be in this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like
0: no. We'd have been like, don't yeah. you put your sermons on DVDs and haul them across town? <laughs>
2: yeah, for real. Well, hey, um, I want to dive into a, a clergy cliff note we have. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about how Tim Keller offended everyone this week. All right, we'll be right back. So, I, I got to get this out of the way. Do, do you guys agree with me on this? I I I think all of us follow Tim Keller, at least on one platform or another. But, like, something's happened in the past, like, two years. I mean, since he announced his cancer, like, he is unnecessarily uh, scrutinized. Like, people criticize him for every single tweet he makes, every single, like, post he makes. And it could be, like, the most modest thing ever. Like, the most, like, basic christian thing and people would be like oh you're a heretic or (laughs) you're like you're whatever and like i don't know i i I feel bad for him because it's like like he just says like very like generally orthodox stuff and then people just want to fight with him all the time but what i love about tim keller is that sometimes he has time and he'll get in the comments and he'll respond to people and all i gotta say is if i ever like went on twitter to like respond to tim keller and he came at me again I would hang it up. I would not be a pastor anymore. I would be like, "I'm good. I quit. I, have you guys noticed that Tim Keller gets like scrutinized a lot or or am I the only one that sees this?
3: I think he's just seen, to me it seems like he's just got more time to step into making comments he just didn't comment on stuff before.
2: that's probably true. you know he
3: yeah, just when didn't you stir like, a pot you know he it just didn't it talk about
0: stuff,
2: yeah. By this thing though i don 't think he stirs the pot too. Like, yeah i don't think so, like, no, no, um, I think
0: like, okay like, like people call my him, virtue people call, of speaking, that is stirring you know when you respond yeah
2: people people call him like like we live in a really weird time when <laughs> he 's super Tim progressive Keller, yeah people Tim, <laughs> Tim Keller, like Tim Keller is not even like moderate right, like he is pretty conservative, um I just think he has empathy <laughs> and that's where that 's where things get derailed, you know, so anyways um. He has an article that came out, or sorry, he has, he made a couple of tweets about eight reasons uh, from Tim Keller not to give a mega church to a single successor. So, if you guys aren't familiar with this, uh, Tim Keller was a pastor of Redeemer, which was um, a multi-site church in New York, like New York City proper, I believe, and, um, and Manhattan, I think. Yeah, and then when he retired, um, he instead of like. Calling on the successor, he basically had multiple pastors, like a team of people, be the the people to replace him. And so now he wrote a, he he wrote a series of tweets, kind of giving a, a bunch of different reasons why um, they decided to pass it on. And uh, and and so it has caused a bit of uh, a not much of a stir, but people are like, you know, some people are upset about it, some people are are into it. Some of the biggest reasons why he he suggested this is because um, it sets up the next person in a lose-lose situation. Like, you're never going to be able to fill the shoes of the previous pastor. And then also it feels like there's a bit of, like, culture shaping. Like, instead of making this large church focus on one person, to be able to have multiple people be able to take on the pastoral load – and be able to not have the identity of the church beyond a single individual, but kind of like the mission of the church. So there's a bit of culture shaping in that. Anyways, I know we're a diverse podcast. We have two folks on here who would be considered a what well, quote-unquote mega church, and then we have three folks who are um, uh, pastor churches that are more typical in America. So like we have a, a broad perspective, but I think all five of us left Keller, so... Hopefully, we'll say, we'll, we'll speak kind of him. But what do you guys think of this article uh, that came out and what are your thoughts about it? Uh,
0: well, he, he uses that one line when mega churches go quickly under one, one leader, it depends too much on the gifts and the personality of that founder. I mean, I have experienced the wake of that firsthand as my state, we saw the new spring bloom under Perry Noble. And like, it really did. And whenever he was ousted, it's crazy campuses shut down. Like we had a campus in Sumter. They shut it down. Like, boom. Um, a lot of people were hurt because one thing Perry did was despite all his faults, he, well, he had his own engine and he knew how to push people and their whole vision was a hundred thousand people. And when you go into their campus, 100,000 is on the wall and it didn't matter where those people came from. And then whenever he was gone, you, you, we literally as someone on the outside, we all the smoke and all the steam, we felt it leave. Now, granted, New Spring's still doing well, and I think that they have since moved to what Keller is talking about here. And I actually would argue they're more healthy now. But but that's definitely true that when when if it requires one personality to push it, that's a I consider that to be a, a pretty big problem because oftentimes you have to ask this question, and and y'all might push back on me, and that's fair. But you might ask the question like, if it's growing so much under that leadership, how much is that leadership connected to the gospel? Like where's where is it that Christ is growing it and man's personality is growing it? And I know that there's some trickiness in there that you have to navigate, but I think we have to be very careful bet- when we look at why is the church growing? Does that make
1: sense? I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that there are a lot of mega churches that have grown and grown under a specific I mean we're we're talking about Tim Keller here. So I don't think any of us, and I'm I'm not going to disparage Perry Noble because I know people that came to faith in Christ at New Spring while he was the, the lead pastor there, but I think we would all agree that how Tim Keller approached church and how Perry Noble approaches church are not one and the same, yet God has worked through each and every one of them. Um, I thought the article made a whole lot of sense, and he made some really good points, but the thing that, that I walked away – I didn't walk away. I was sitting on the couch when I read the article. The thing that I put my phone down and said, huh, to myself is that it's going to get a lot of attention. and I've seen it retweeted and shared in different places when it, if it affects such a teeny, tiny number of churches. And you know, we, we all want to have opinions. I'm the one that shared it to the group because I thought it was interesting. But the number of churches that actually will have to make a decision like this is a really minuscule percentage. There's, I was, a stat came out this week and I'm trying to find it that said something like, you know, of 400,000 religious bodies in the United States, that is 300,000 Christian churches, about 100,000 non-Christian religious bodies, 400,000 in the United States. Only 1,700 of those have 2,000 or more people gather on a weekly basis. This is not an issue that the vast majority of church leaders ever need to figure out for their, for themselves.
2: I mean, I think though um, there's principles here in any kind of succession, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, whether, not just like, uh, I I think, I think I I say this often when people ask me, you know, like, Hey, I have this opportunity to work at a, a larger church. Can you give me some advice? And like one thing I'm convinced of is I'm not convinced of like that you know, what's his, Mark Devers, where like church like, you know, it should only be a single site, single service, and like, um, and kind of like really hate on multi-site or multiple services. But like I do believe that to do the larger you are, the more complicated it gets. And the complicated part has less to do with like ecclesiology and more to do with administration. Which can become very frustrating because that's the like, icky part of church. Like that's the part that like is not fun, you know, the the administration, the organization of it all, and that's where like I think people get really embittered about um church from an employee standpoint because um a lot of the systems and structures of a larger church for it to function well. Um, feels very corporate right? And then you often feel kind of like you're just a number or you're just a, a piece of the cog and you're not really like a, a a person anymore. And that's where things get really, really messy. And so one thing that's really frustrating about larger, larger churches is, is oftentimes the focus is so much more on the structure and organization as opposed to mission and vision. But I think anytime you have to have like a succession plan, which again, to your point, Andrew, this is also a conversation that only a very small percentage of people even listening will even have to think about, like, uh, to, to, to have a succession plan in place for their church or something like that. But as I'm as I'm listening, to, as I read this, and I think about the fact that, like, the Village Church, and there's another church, like, Watermark Church, and, I mean, in a way, Driscoll's Church did this, too, even though I don't think it was intentional, um all those multi-site churches turned into single-site churches and they and they when they when they like uh decentralize decentralized their churches or whatever it seems like Redeemer still is a multi-site church but they function kind of differently than traditional multi-site churches but i guess i don't know both of you guys were people of a succession plan right like um tim i think
1: not, not, not a successful succession plan <laughs> <laughs> okay
2: well that's what i was gonna say like, like i guess my question to, to you two because jeff yours is a different situation your church was dying and then this, the denomination said jeff fix it right is that a little bit more how how it, it kind of happened it wasn't uh, that's very
3: oversimplified but kind of
2: because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've always understood your church to be more of a revitalization than it like is. True, yeah, we're in a
3: it, we're in a technical status called redevelopment. So yeah, sure.
2: But like, I guess my question is this: is based on what you saw with the Tim Keller post, would you would you wish your succession when you guys came in would have been done differently?
4: I I wish we had followed our succession plan that we had written and approved. <laughs> Uh, We we had some some leadership issues at at just a a really bizarre period of time, right when we went to enact the succession plan, and they decided to change the way it had been written, even though it was approved, because I I still hold that the way the succession plan was written for Lakeview was solid, it was biblical, it was incredibly healthy, but the way we went about it as a church, we we just didn't follow it. And there were some other factors at play that I can't even talk about on, on the show that caused us to to deviate a bit. But reading some of the stuff from from Keller, I'm like, I I get it. I I get it. Like the the idea of taking over from especially for me, I I took over from the founding pastor. That's the single biggest transition in the life of any church is when the founding pastor resigns or retires. Typically, um, statistics will tell you the next guy is oftentimes a scapegoat doesn't usually last more than a year or two. So I was pretty determined right from the get go to to succeed, hopefully prayerfully. I think our, our current elder board has has set me up to do that, which has been awesome on their part. But it wasn't it wasn't easy. I, I don't know if any sort of succession can ever be easy, uh, especially when, you know, things don't go as planned. So part of me, you know, I see Keller writing this, and I'm like, okay, yeah, easy for him to say now that he's already gone through all that, right? But maybe that's maybe that's why he's able to write this now. He's he's now able to see here here's what really worked well for us in in our situation, and you know, there was some pushback, and we can get to that in a minute. I saw some of the pushback in the article, but as I was reading, I was thinking, okay, so what is that magic number? Is there such thing as a magic number? And then he goes out and says it. I'm like. Oh, okay. The line is something like this. Uh, in general, the area and the Christians will benefit more from 10 churches of 400 rather than one church of 4,000. And it just so happens that that 400 number has been in my mind for Lakeview Church for a long time. Because I've, I've often what about, thought that
3: my what
1: about 400 leadership 400 bandwidth is right there. 10. Yeah. Ooh, just 10. think.
4: What about that?
1: <laughs> think of the benefit of that for a community.
4: I think I think it depends on the community. If there's... a a high population of people one mile from your church, you, you might not need 10 churches, right? Right. But if they're scattered, to his point, it was people were traveling from great distance. And it is very difficult to have community when you're traveling 45 minutes to church, which is why I have recommended other churches to people in this area. So go to Safety Harbor, you know, yeah. go to Building 28, go, go somewhere else. It's just too far for you.
3: And that I also think de- that also depends on your geography, though, because I remember I candidated out in Montana. And there are places like that out in the middle of the plains where it's like to drive forty five minutes to something is not weird. That's totally normal.
0: And I think so, that the, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
3: No, that's it. Go ahead.
0: No, like to me, also the whole you gotta drive longer or shorter, get to church, like on paper, logistically, it makes sense, but it does not it's not that clean in a multi site situation, right? Like there are people who drive past our main campus They drive 45 minutes a week to come to our campus because they want a more, a smaller church experience. But then there are people who drive 30 minutes. They pass our campus every Sunday morning and go to the main campus because they want to have this big experience um, or worship, you know, you know what I'm saying? So like for me, it's the location is not the, is not necessarily always the biggest factor. Sometimes it's, you know, people just like they shop around with churches, they shop around within the their own church if it's a multi-site as well. And I think that like just to be cognizant of that. But you know, to Andrew's thing about not every church is going to have to go through this. You know, that's fair. But every church is going to have to go through a succession of some sort, right? And what I've seen because I was before I was at the church I'm at. The church I was at was about 150 people, and I was a student guy as the previous pastor of 18 years was asked to leave. And what I notice is like, just as an observer, a lot of times churches try to hire either their exact same pastor they just had, and that's an appetite for disaster, right? Or they try to hire the opposite pastor of what they just had intentionally because they didn't like him, which is also disaster. So what I'm gleaming out of this and what I really like about Keller is There at least needs to be more conversation about succession happening in the church in general. Like there needs to be some actual thoughts about it, not just, oh, no, the pastor's gone now. Let's react. To me, that whole idea of being proactive is so much better. I mean, that's why I could go to Tim's church and like when I was there for Practically Pastoring Conference, like the people look at him, that's their pastor. Like Tim is the hundred percent, their pastor, and that's the proof of like forethought going into the succession. That's just so important, and it's different for every church. So, um, kudos to Keller for at least opening up the can so we can have the conversation. You know,
3: I mean, for me, I think part of the part of the pushback on this article is that is none of nobody pushed back on his thoughts on succession because I think underneath this article is really this article is really a critique of megachurches more than it is about succession. Mm-hmm to me because all of his all of his points as much as it is about succession on the surface underneath it he's critiquing the model itself which is i think why people the people who push back against are pushing back um but i i can't remember where it's i know it's a tim keller quote and it's probably in one of the you know million pages of stuff he's produced over the years but i was doing some videography way back in the day for a church planter in um Key West. No, not Key West. Anyway, it was somewhere in the Keys in Florida um, or West Palm Beach. Sorry. And he the the church planter used this quote, and it was a Keller quote in the video where he basically said uh, the key to creating movement. It may have been in his um, what's that big series of books that he wrote? Uh, Movement, city to city stuff. Anyway, uh, he said the number of churches per thousand people needs to increase, not the number of thousand person or more churches. You know, that was kind of the idea. So he, Tim Keller's been saying this stuff for a long time. This is not new for him to say. Um, but I think when he put it in these, you know, in these posts, these eight things, what it is is really a, you know, it, it's a critique of the megachurch model. And, I, you know, I have to say, I, I'm more and more, I see those critiques as, you know, more and more valid. I used to say, well, you know, not every mega church is and again, that stuff is still true and I think yeah, there there's always going to be good versions of things that could come from a bad system. Do I think the idea of a huge church I would say around 500 is probably a number that I would use. Once you get above that number, like Frank said, there's things that have to happen that to me work against the essence of what discipleship is is trying to be and what a pastor is. So one of the ways to tackle that is basically to, you know, what Keller is saying is just to have a bunch more pastors instead of one pastor, uh, who is really doing a lot of the communication, but that creates challenges. You know, I'm sure that having four senior pastors over a church or over a multi-site model like this, I mean, it makes decisions way, take way longer. And kind of the church growth megachurch model is built on a charismatic leader being able to make decisions and move forward and keep things growing. Like percentage of growth per year is, is like what drives the mega church model. You have to keep like continuing to grow is the kind of the point. Um, I've been in churches where it's like, they don't want to say that's the point, but that's all they talk about. Um, and so, you know, to me that seems like an inherent flaw, but not I wouldn't go so far to say as I think that people are being sinful if they do that. I, I'm not saying that. I think it can be. Um, I also Frank would say I don't think Mark Dever hates on multisite. He just disagrees with it in his ecclesiology. But he's still, I mean, he's still friends with. You know, I've I heard an interview of him and Matt Chandler going back and forth about it, and it was friendly. Uh, Fair and enough. They, and Fair they enough. disagree. They disagree. But it's like a. I mean, it's it's not even a secondary issue. You know, like multi-site or not, or multi-service or not is just a, and honestly, a lot of the stuff Keller said in here is even, it's not even like a biblical issue one way or the other. It's a prudence issue. This is wisdom stuff he's talking about. If you have one charismatic white leader leading a diverse congregation that makes certain difficulties, well, that's a wisdom thing. He, I don't think Keller is accusing anybody of sin in any of this, you know, I don't read it that way.
2: I think this was a really good discussion. Uh, I, I. I, I, there was a, a bigger pushback that he they felt like it was a a bit of a, a little bit of a sweeping general, generalization. But I actually th- agree with you, Jeff, in the way you placed it. It's like, sure, are there are there mega churches or site churches that are not having some of the issues, like these foundational issues that Keller is warning against? And there are obviously a lot, but there is also probably just as many churches that are facing those issues, and that's why Keller is is kind of speaking to that. I think that's good.
1: So, this is the hey. era that we're living in. The, the mega church, mega churches did not exist 25, 30 years ago. Um, and they certainly didn't exist 45 or 50 years ago. And so, for the first time, we are having this big wave of these guys who have been influential for decades retiring and are having to figure out what that looks like.
2: It's mm. good. That's good. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Easter week. Let's talk about it. Dun, dun, dun. So it is Easter week, and with Easter week comes Good Friday. And with Good Friday came Palm Sunday. So I would love to know, hey, what did you guys do yesterday for Palm Sunday? Did you have the kids Holding the palms and wave them around. Did you have no kids Thursday? Uh, I mean, okay, if that's a part we have one coming up, we're Protestant. We don't do that. We don't do that. Don't do that. So, <laughs> but I would love to hear like what does your Holy Week look like? What what are there anything special beyond what you normally do in a service for Easter? And maybe give a clue of what you are doing for Good Friday. Just kind of help everyone know what everyone's doing.
4: We did frank you probably saw the post from lakeview church we did have the the cute kids holding the palms passing them out there was also a guide with the palms as to how to make a cross out of said palm uh, we took a year off from doing it and there was outrage and backlash so leading up to this sunday i probably heard from at least a dozen families just wanting to confirm with me we will have palms on palm sunday hey, you're getting
3: palms right I was like, sure, and I, I didn't hey, lose any sleep gonna over Hey, you're going to have the palms until, so I can make the little cross and hang it from my rearview mirror for the next year, right?
1: I need yep. to post an Instagram <laughs> of a palm cross, Tim.
4: It, and it turns out it worked really well for our Instagram post. It's our most liked post uh, in quite some time. So cute kids passing out palms was an absolute win. Then we have our, our Good Friday service coming up. Uh, very somber tone, just went this through the set list with our worship team it's going to be a very different vibe we labeled it pg-13 it's kind of a hey parents if you want to have your kids in service that's your choice however we do have childcare available on friday night and what's okay, making three. it
0: pg-13 i gotta know so we're just doing
4: an in-depth look at the history of crucifixion not necessarily okay. the exact thing that jesus went through but here's the history of it then we will talk about uh, what we know for sure Jesus went through. But with the history of crucifixion comes some very uh, nasty and Impaling. brutal. And lo- it's, it's weird. Like there is, It is oh. so bizarre and very, very violent. So for me, my three older kids will be in there, but not my two younger ones. And then Easter Sunday is our three services, sunrise, 930, and 11. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what we got on the docket. That's going to be a, a, a busy week.
1: I'm sitting about... 12 feet away from thousands and thousands of Easter eggs because we teach children paganism. Yeah. And we just think that uh, that's the best way to reach them with the gospel. Pagan still have, middle school, baby. There you go. We have <laughs> um, a sunrise service that we do on Easter Sunday with four other Safety Harbor churches. Um, You know, one non-denominational church, two Southern Baptist churches, an apostolic church. So like we all in a Presbyterian church, we all do the community sunrise service. We like rotate who's doing what different roles in it and uh, take up an offering for, I I would say it's a ministry, but they're a ministry partner of ours. But now it's a, you know, a nonprofit organization that was started as the Safety Harbor Church Co-op. And now it's named after someone from the community who who used to head it, but so it's a well, we take a community offering for for that and do a sunrise outdoor Easter service at the Safety Harbor waterfront, and then we have our one regular service at ten o'clock where it is a complete fire hazard, and um, then we have our children hunt eggs. It's going to be exciting. Awesome. I think we we had we had seventeen kids yesterday, which is a very big Sunday morning for us in our kids' ministry. And again, I kid you not, we have more than 2,000 eggs on our secretary's desk just through this wall right here for under 20 kids. It's a little bit ridiculous. We should probably find some people to give eggs to.
0: See, smart people know that you do not go to the mega church for your egg hunt. You go to the other churches because they have 2,000 eggs for 12 kids. Nice That's way to say
3: nice way to say you go to the small church.
0: I got you. I hey, feel it. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> take No, hey, I'm talking about my own. We a lot of this is one time where we'll have people who normally go to the big campus. They come to our campus because we have less kids and they know they're gonna get more I, eggs. I just
3: heard the story that uh like Furtick's Church blew up because of a helicopter egg drop. I did not know that. I don't remember if we said that on this show last week or where I heard that, but I didn't know that until very recently.
4: So they, they were the OG, and when I visited Furtick's Church a few years ago, it was leading up to Easter, and the promo – no joke – their promo for Easter weekend, which they showed in church like a movie trailer, um, was the news article – I mean the, the news clipping of a, a newscaster talking about their own church and building up. And it was like, a, look what we started back in 2006, and look what we're doing this year. And it <laughs> – It was so
1: the Easter Bunny was parachuting out of an Apache helicopter. It was crazy. (laughs) It was nuts. Yeah. And then the Easter Bunny took off. It it was actually Furtick with the Easter Bunny suit on. Next level. (laughs) 400 people got baptized. I remember
3: when I was a kid at our Easter egg hunt, one of the associate pastors came out dressed as Jesus, and it was amazing. It was so awesome, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the most like ridiculous. And he was like doing a crucified it to be funny. Jesus, no, like like resurrected. No, he was like okay. resurrected. You know, flowing. Okay. He had a long, um, long brown hair uh, wig on, and like he was, you know, in his mid fifties. It was hilarious. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we uh, yesterday I was out, so um, I'm going to be controversial, and I had a lady preach for me, and she did a great job, and it was amazing. She preached the gospel uh loved it and uh that was for palm sunday we did have palms and like uh tim like you said a, a couple years back i did not realize how big of a deal the palms were because i don't care about them um and i just printed on my giant printer banners with palms everywhere and all the graphics were palms and i thought that was cool but uh me yeah some people were like uh but like how am i going to make the cross out of the palms and so this year I was like, we got to do it. It's the first year really doing Palm Sunday, like fully, fully back from COVID. Uh, And so I ordered palms from the florist. uh, And then a guy in my church, without telling me, he told he he texted me on like Friday as I was in COVID recovery before Sunday. And, you know, you guys will appreciate this as pastors. Like he was doing something nice but he didn't tell me. And so I did something not knowing he was doing that. And then I didn't want to make him feel bad. So I just had to roll with it. Uh, So he ordered or he got his friend in Florida to ship palm branches to him like, and paid extra, a lot of money for like overnight shipping to get him here on time to, and he got a lot of them. And so we, one of our ladies was decorating the church building yesterday for spring. And I was like, Hey, can you get these palm branches from, this guy, and maybe include him in your decoration. So it all worked out, but uh, it stressed me out because I was like stuck in COVID quarantine and what am I going to do about it? And I didn't want to make him feel bad. Um, So yeah, we we did that for Palm Sunday. We uh, Good Friday, we are joining with a friend of mine's church who's a United Methodist Church. Uh, I've talked about on here before how I help him uh, with his uh, like video sermons. So he is doing a Good Friday service. Our building was already rented Uh, For Good Friday, because it's the third Friday of the month, and one of our renters does a uh, prayer fasting night, and I didn't want to have to cancel it. Um, Honestly, Good Friday has been very low attendance since I've been here. So we're doing it together, and a lot of people are excited about it, because since I've been here, a lot of people have said, Hey, the churches in the neighborhood used to all do stuff together. We don't do it anymore. What do you know about that? And I've been trying to work for years to get us to do stuff together. So I figured, hey, this is a great opportunity. We'll go to his Good Friday service. Uh, you know, Anyone that wants to go, just come to his Good Friday service. It's like five minutes away, uh, United Methodist Church. And then there's a sunrise service that's, at, like Andrew said, a community sunrise service where there's like five or six different churches that do it together and rotate. And uh, it's on the grounds of a, a cemetery, really pretty with a, with a lake and stuff there. So it should be cool. And uh, we're going to do that. It's like 630 in the morning on Sunday. And then... Our Easter service is going to be just a, pretty much a normal service other than really going to emphasize the resurrection. And, you know, I know what the sermon's going to be about already. So, pretty much that's it. And then uh, after Easter, we're going into Acts for the next foreseeable future. Sweet. So, about 10 weeks
2: ago, I asked if we could rent out a baseball stadium and uh, we got it. And so we're going to, I'm just playing. I'm just, I'm I was about to say, game. okay. <laughs> Um no so uh la- yesterday was Palm Sunday and we like the like literally the only and thing this that was is Palm the morning Sunday. after no, no hey. my, my, <laughs> bad. After. After.
1: my my bad wrong did, I, did you trigger. ever say
2: that that was funny yesterday was Palm Sunday that'd be really funny um we uh the only thing we did is we like the kids ministry all had like a video of them singing um a worship song oh,
1: and we played there, that video
2: no it was uh was that song like. And he come out of the grave, and like that was yeah. I, I can't think of the word. That was right it.
3: Now. Nailed it. Yeah,
2: nailed it. Um, and so it was cute, like having all the kids do these hand gestures, but it was all through video, which is a lot easier to do than ushering
3: in, like. It's a actually bunch genius, though. So. Oh, I forgot to say we had an Easter. We have an Easter egg hunt on Saturday too, with oh, twenty five hundred eggs for probably on, twelve kids.
2: Uh, Silent Saturday. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so on Friday. All the campuses are live. We're going to do a good Friday service. We're going to be coming out of the, the, the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. And nice. um, and so I'm working on that right now. Um, it's uh, Every every campus has a one, like a one-hour service where we're going to take communion to. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit more somber and quiet. Um, and then on Sunday we have Easter, and it's going to be kind of like how we do normal services where, like, it's going to be streamed to all the campuses who usually get a stream. Um, and I don't know what my senior, the senior pastor's preaching. I don't know what text he's in. I do know we're, we're breaking from the series to do an Easter sermon. So that's, that's cool. Um, and yeah, so I, we're excited. We didn't do, we're not doing a Easter egg hunt, um, but that looks like Andrew has a lot of Easter eggs. You're right. You're right, Del. Go to the small church. They have way too many Easter eggs. Yeah, Bro, we don't
3: play.
0: Well, <laughs> we,
2: we have all this money we're sitting on. We can just buy Easter eggs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so yesterday oh we had oh, Andrew. He just he keeps. If you're not, you can't see this. He just keeps bringing out more and more eggs. He's muted, and he he's muted it. too. he's, just he's yelling into, yelling into the it's void. Wonderful.
1: Tim said that Jeff had more eggs than me, and um, I just wanted to demonstrate that. Uh, no, I right no, do though.
3: Weirdest we, we, pastor flex ever. I uh, <laughs> you know. Are extremely eggy, Andrew. It seems like a lot of work for not a lot of payoff, Andrew.
1: <laughs> uh, no, there's there's zero work because for the past several weeks we made the announcement, hey, we're doing these egg hunts. Um it's it's an outreach where it's a ministry for our to our preschool. And so they're all pre packed by either the good people at Target and Walmart or by the people in our church.
2: Nice. That's actually a really good idea as an outreach though. Like I we've got yeah. a park right by my church. I could totally do that and, like, have a neighborhood, like,
3: egg Easter egg hunt. I, so, I not remember if I had in the I'd do that next
2: year. <laughs> Dang, Tim's a jerk. He's, like, hey, and all can, all I, just say, listen, can I just say, listen,
3: can I just give, this is a word of wisdom for you pastors who are new at your church and your church is doing an Easter egg hunt. This, is what, this, this might be a hill to die on. Do not <laughs> try to try to collect the empty eggs back and save them to restuff oh. next year. Oh no! It, it, it's just not worth it. You'll lose your mind. Just buy more eggs next year. Just buy more eggs next year. And it's just, not worth
0: the storage. Yeah, you know, it's, you it's, not not the it's not worth the storage.
3: It's not worth anything. No, I mean that was just that was an idea that 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 some people had here, and I, I know that there's another Methodist church in my area who I spoke with a guy at over the weekend, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you should come to if you needed eggs, you should have come. We've been saving ours for years. We got like ten thousand eggs." There are a thousand like, eggs on the floor. Of our my eggs office. still
1: Tim say made at Kmart. <laughs> oh Andrew,
3: go ahead. Go ahead. We need a news uh, update.
1: Uh, Tim knocked over a garbage bag full of Easter eggs, and there's a thousand <laughs> eggs on the floor of my office right now. So, did you now. just kick him out?
0: Where'd he go? <laughs> no,
1: he's, he's here picking up the I'm eggs. I'm
0: cleaning. There's oh so much God. drama happening right now. <laughs> it's passion week, man. It is. Fun. All right. All right. Delmar, Del- Del- Del tell us what's going on. All right, so we yesterday was Palm Sunday. Our kids colored palms in the back room. We had a special choir that sang Palm Sunday kind of music. It was pretty. It was really good. And then this week we do have a Monday Thursday. We actually do. Um, It's mainly at our um, central campus, or you know, Lauren Mills, what we call that. So everyone goes there. Saturday, every campus has its own respective Easter egg hunt. We actually do have. We rented out an entire baseball t-ball field that we will be having our. <laughs> <laughs> that we will be having our Easter egg hunt at, and uh, we'll be giving out a ton of eggs. Got we our campus this year just went on ahead and bought a jump house because we're having to rent a jump house so many times we've actually saved already like $1,500 just buying a jump house. Buying Okay. That's actually like, if you do rent jump houses, bounce houses, just buying one is,
2: is the move for sure. Oh,
0: it is like, we even got ours used from like a person, like a dealership that like rents them out. Like if things pay for itself three times already. Um, but so we'll have that Easter egg hunt on Saturday and then sunday is easter it's normal streaming in but there are no life groups on sunday so that's that's our flow
2: nice very cool very yep. cool um i don't know if we're going to get tim and andrew back i feel so bad they they're like picking up easter eggs right now it's so they funny. have
0: actually pulled out trash bags now and are putting all the eggs in trash bags
3: this is this is video internet gold right here yeah. All right, we're back. Eggs have been confiscated. Like,
0: so when many out of breath, you know, we got a problem, everybody. Bro, that no, was a Tim, lot
3: of eggs. Did you intentionally spill them all, and do you regret what you did? It was so worth it. I thought the bags were tied shut. I should have known it and, should Andrew, have been tied shut for real. They weren't. They have I
4: pushed the bags over in jest and they exploded. I was having to put candy back in the eggs. I stole some. Yeah.
2: If we ever were to make – if we were to make a TikTok account for this podcast, which we don't have a reason to, but I could like cut this the clip where you pushed a bag and it's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no.
1: There's <laughs> so many eggs. <laughs>
2: it all started because you wanted to flex on jeff that you got more easter eggs than him like, and man, you really, really
3: hey fun. you really got me though man you really <laughs> got me
1: um this one just has a tootsie roll on it jeff I looks destroyed oh, oh
2: man. man all right well um if you if you listen to this we want to hear how your uh holy week is going and how your easter services go and the way we want to hear all that is by um what you put in the in the facebook group so uh, head over to facebook go to the practically pastoring the facebook group and we want to hear about your easter week and funniest if you easter
3: had... egg hunt story wins a free egg from andrew yes Signed. that's on
2: the floor right now and they're eating the candy now which is they are
3: you're, you're literally taking candy out of the mouths of babies right now Dude. good job guys <laughs> hey if shirley saw you eating that candy wouldn't she be upset she really
1: don't know, won't hurt her. She doesn't listen <laughs> oh to this podcast. <laughs> oh,
3: my goodness.
2: All right. Well, this was the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Please uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. Share this with a friend. Uh, like I said, if we want to know how your Easter services are going to go, go to the Facebook group and let us know how it's going. And uh, and we'll see you here uh, next week. With that said, my name is Frank Gill.
0: I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew
1: Larsham.
2: And I'm Timothy Miller. And this is Practically Pastoring. See you next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.